All right, thank you. Thank you so much for you all coming out here. I see that Kerry's brought a few friends here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, today we're gonna have Kerry sharing with us. Uh, Kerry is, uh, has been with us for about a year, right? Not quite. Not January. quite? January. January, oh yeah, just January. So she's been uh, with us for a bit and uh, she came here because her, her, her church that she was attending closed, yeah. And she was there for 30 years. Oh, like, wow. 30 years, yeah, 30 years. So she's been a faithful soldier for that, for that church. So. But we're, we're so glad that you've made uh, Five Stones your, your home church. And, uh, and, and she did some really marvelous things like at the church. She ran the, uh, the tech team apparently, right? You did the tech team stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You work on a tech team stuff, which I have no idea, you know, about. Yeah, yeah. Did the YouTube stuff, right? All the YouTube. Tried, yeah. You tried, yeah. Okay. Uh, which is amazing, still, you know, because I was I, like this week I was trying to do my PowerPoint for for uh, for the today's message, and I was having trouble. Yeah. So I know, yeah, if you can do YouTube, you're way better than I am. Yes. So uh, I really enjoyed the, the, her vibrant faith uh, and uh, that she, I, I just love the way that her eyes just light up when she talks about God and, and her faith and, and, and the love that she has for, for the Bible and for God's word. And she will speak to us about God's goodness, especially uh, even though she went through all kinds of challenges in her life, some really serious and uh, and, and chronic stuff that, that she has to uh, go through. So we're so blessed to have her to share her story of uh, sacred intersections. So thank you again, Carrie, for coming uh, to be part of a family. And please welcome Carrie. Good morning. It's so good to be uh, part of your family here at Five Stones. Um, I've really enjoyed um, being part of, of this family. Um, as, as Andrew said, I started coming uh, at the middle of January, just after, shortly after uh, my church uh, unfortunately had to close. But uh, I've really been blessed by being part of this church and being part of a cell group. Uh, that's just been uh, an amazing blessing to me. Um, so yeah, thank you for letting me share. There are so many things I could tell you about how good God has been uh, in the last few years of my life, how he has changed me, and how I've seen his hand in the everyday. Being able to retell my story reminds me of how good God is. I need to rehear my story, especially when days are hard, when I feel grumpy and ungrateful, and when the pain is really bad. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. These verses have been a favorite of mine for many, many years. However, little did I know um, that these, little did I know how God was preparing me to claim these promises in these, in these verses every, on an everyday basis. Just a second here, this... The Bible is in my way. <laughs> um, where does my help come from? It only comes from the Lord. 
The past number of years have been, been hard, but they've also been really good. I can only say that because I have an amazing family. Hi, Mom. <laughs> She's watching on YouTube. <laughs> um, amazing friends and a really amazing God. In 2015, I was diagnosed, I was officially diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Although I had been, it had been suspected and mentioned since 2004. I also have migraines as well as undiagnosed vertigo that comes and goes whenever it wants. And I have problems with a herniated disc in my spine. I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> my story actually begins much earlier. A decade after I began my career as an early childhood educator, I was released suddenly from my job. I was devastated. But looking back, I can see how God was leading me to work for the Developmental Disabilities Association at Berwick Preschool out at UBC. I was trained and mentored by two amazing educators and went on to get training in working with special needs children. God also gave me two Christian co-workers and a Christian manager. And because this was a union job, I had excellent benefits that included extended health and disability. God knew that I would need these. In 2002, the frequency and intensity of my migraines reached a point where it had become very difficult for me to work. I became very disheartened and struggled to make it through the day. I had no energy left for anything else. But then, God. One day, a par the parent of one of my students noticed how unwell I was. She was a nurse who happened to be married to a neurologist who specialized in migraine headaches. She told me I should go see her husband and then arrange the appointment for me. Long story short, this doctor began giving me Botox injections every three months for free. Because of his generosity, my headaches have been much less frequent and intense over the past 20 years. My help comes only from the Lord. I loved my job working with typically developing, developing and special needs children, ages two and a half to five years old. But in the two years prior to my MS diagnosis, I struggled with a herniated disc that required a medical leave and then with the undiagnosed vertigo that may or may not be related to my MS. During the last half of 2014, I was really having a hard time working. The days were long. I had a one to one and a half hour commute each way between New Westminster and UBC. And I was finding it harder and harder to stay focused at work. Sorry. I would find myself falling asleep while reading stories to children in the afternoon. And once they left, I couldn't manage my work anymore. The scariest part was I was falling asleep at the wheel on the drive home. And at, that, and one, at one point, I didn't even remember how I got home. It was at this point I had to stop working. My last day of work was December 19th, 2014. And since then, I've been on medical disability. The ending of my work life was very difficult. My life had taken a 180 degree turn. I was only in my mid-40s and felt completely useless at this point. I was angry with people who, though I'm sure they meant well, questioned my faith and suggested I should pray harder for healing. Most of all, I was just angry with God. I, was, I wondered why he wasn't answering my prayers for healing. 
Did he not love me anymore? Did I have a huge sin in my life that I hadn't confessed? Was I just not important anymore? I saw other people being prayed for and receiving healing. I saw and heard people tell amazing, story, amazing testimonies of incredible things that God was doing in their lives. Meanwhile, I was getting more sick and more tired. I could no longer go to church. My social life had come to a complete stop, and I had absolutely no energy to do anything. So where was God in all of this for me? I had an incredible medical team, and only God could have put them together. Um, because of them, I knew that God had not forgotten me. I had a follow-up appointment with my MS doctor one day, and she suggested I go see a counselor. I was shocked at first, and I had visions of myself laying on this couch with my therapist sitting there in a chair, writing all my deepest, darkest thoughts on their pad of paper, and I'm like, uh, no, I don't need a counselor. That's for married people and really mixed up people. That's just not me. So I didn't do anything about it for several days. But my mind never left me. But, but, my, but it was always on my mind. The thought just never left. And I believe that was God saying, you need to go. Uh, so I called my friend and asked if she knew of a Christian counselor that I could go see. It very enthusiastically, she said, I sure do. <laughs> And about two or three weeks later, I dragged the same friend with me to my first appointment. There was no way I was going to sit on that couch alone. <laughs> my counselor was fantastic uh, and really was a true gift from God. And she helped me to see that this body of mine was t is temporary and that my eternal body is going to be free of pain and suffering. She had me dig into the book of Job and see uh, how he suffered, and yet in his suffering, he was able to praise God. She showed me how I can see God and praise him one day at a time, even in my suffering and pain. She encouraged me to go back to church, even though it was difficult because of no the noise would overwhelm me and the chairs that we had at the time were really hard to sit in. She said, just go, try. I did. And God continued to show me new things each time I went. Back to Psalm 121. The more I lifted my eyes up to him and took my eyes off myself, the more I began to see that there was so much more life ahead of me. God had never abandoned me or stopped loving me. Although he may have chosen not to heal my MS, his healing for me was far greater than anything I could have ever asked for. He healed my heart and gave me a different purpose for my life, one that I never could have imagined. Without MS, I would have ha I would had to go back to work, back to my routine, and would probably have continued my old patterns of living. But with MS, I have been able to serve him in a whole new way, and co he continues to surprise me with opportunities to grow and serve. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He's talking about the thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
This verse sums up my story best. I may not have suffered persecution, but through my weaknesses and hardships that I have experienced, God has been there and he has been my source of strength. God shows up. He may not show up the way we want him to or how we picture him doing so, but even when our world drastically changes uh, from what we, th what we thought our life would be, uh, be like... It, uh, sorry. <laughs> but even when your world drastically changes and what you thought your life would be like changes completely, he is there. And as I said earlier, I was mad at God when, he, when all this happened. I was mad that I would never work again. I thought I would never socialize with friends again. I thought I would never have purpose again. I cried out to him and I told him how angry I was with him. And once I was able to release all that anger, he began to change my heart and show me my purpose was in him. God allowed me to step into other people's lives in ways I never would have imagined and to walk with them on their journeys in ways that I wouldn't, couldn't have if I was working. I have learned more in the last few years about God and his indescribable joy, mercy, love, and compassion than I ever could have if I did not have MS and would not have to walk this journey. Even now, not every day is an easy day. I am so grateful that my MS is stable at the moment. But I do fatigue quicker than I like. I have pain in my legs pretty much every day, as, uh, as, as well as other pain that slows me down. But telling my story helps me to remember the goodness of God and how he has brought me through so much and has been my source of strength. There are just times when I can't read the Bible due to brain fog or dizziness, but music has been a part of my devotion times. And one of the songs that we sang this morning uh, that's been particularly powerful in reminding me of God's love is called The Goodness of God. And I'm just going to read the lyrics. I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. All the days of my life, all, the day, all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Because all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Because all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Thanks for listening. God is good, and he continues to be faithful in my life. I know he's not done with my story. Wow, that was an awesome story. We could just end here, right? I mean, that was great preaching, too. Ah, thank you, Lord, for, for such a great story. Uh, let us pray as we uh, start our time in the Word. Father God, thank you for um, the story that Carrie just shared. Thank you that uh, you have been faithful. You have been so, so good. And may our hearts just be blessed by, by her story. May our hearts just be ministered to and for those of us here, perhaps this morning, who are struggling uh, with faith or with, uh, 
with things that are upon their hearts that, that to just tear their, their souls. I ask that you would, by your mercy, God, speak to their hearts. By your spirit, just move in. By your spirit, just touch their hearts. So Jesus, I ask for your, for your Holy Spirit to do a work. Do a work through us, in us, and for the, for the glory of your name. So God, we commit all these things to you and ask for your blessing as we, uh, as we continue in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, thank you for sharing with us this morning, Carrie. Uh, so, so blessed. Uh, anybody here want to go through what you experienced? I mean, that is challenging. A lot of stuff that she shared with us. Uh, well, doing tech support. I mean, <laughs> the church, it's, it's hard enough. Uh, but to, do, to go through the MS, to go through migraines and vertigo and uh, the stress of being let go of your job and uh, herniated uh, discs, falling asleep at the wheel. I mean, that's, that's tough. An hour and a half uh, commute one way, right? Uh, and working with kids uh, with special needs and, and with the families and so on. It's, that's, that's a very stressful resume, yeah, very stressful. Um, and you still suffer from, from the effects of, of the MS. And um, though it's less severe, thank God, praise the Lord. When you think about it, sometimes you want to hear stories. Say, why, why can't we just hear stories that have you know, fairy tale endings? I mean, everything works out the instant you have a struggle. Everything gets healed. You know, every struggle be vanquished right away. That would be something, right? Yet, Carrie shared with us her struggles. There's still struggles. There are still things that, 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 that would still hurt, hurt her. And, uh, and there's still some stuff that she has to, to walk through with God. Carrie quoted from a fellow sufferer. His name is Paul. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians. And... Uh, let me read once again from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses, uh, starting from verse 7 to verse 10. As a result, so that I wouldn't become too exalted, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger from the Satan, to keep stabbing away at me. I prayed to the Lord three times about this, asking that it would be taken away from me. And this is what he said, to me, my grace is enough for you. My power comes to perfection in weakness. So I will be all the more pleased to boast of my weaknesses so that the Messiah's power may rest upon me. So I'm delighted when I'm weak, insulted, in difficulties, persecuted, and facing disasters for the Messiah's sake. When I am weak, you see, then I am strong. The facts are, there will be struggles. Even Paul the Apostle experienced it. He is like the, the greatest apostle ever. And still he writes about his difficulties, his persecutions, suffering disasters. And then it talks about the thorn in his flesh in, a, in, a, in our passage this morning. It talks about 
the torment that keeps stabbing away, that means it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Keeps stabbing away. You know, when I think about myself, I, th- I thought, yeah, I got, I got uh, sometimes I have wood splinters in my, you know, paper cuts and so on in, in my hand and keeps stabbing away, right? I, th- I feel that a little bit, but it's nothing like what they are, like Carrie or, or Paul is going through. They, they experience things that do keep stabbing away. It's chronic. And I'm thinking, God, why don't you just deliver these people right away? It may be such an amazing story if it would be like that, if they would be delivered right away. And yet, it is there. It is there. Keep stabbing away. Oh, don't we all want that instant power? Don't we all want that instant deliverance? Don't we all want that pain-free living? And sometimes for us, those of us who are going through it, sometimes it just feels like we are, we're faking through another Sunday, you know, maybe in our weaknesses and, and so on. We're faking it through. Where is all this pain heading to? How is there going to be any kind of sense that can be made about all this stuff that we're going through? And yet the Bible tells us, and, and the story that we heard this morning tells us, the chronic painful weaknesses that they experience. And somehow they still testify that it is the goodness of God. So how is that the goodness of God? How is that? And we resonate with people like Paul and with Carrier and say, we, sh- we share that powerlessness. We share that experience. We share that story. We share in that sense of being feeling of uh, the feelings of being completely useless. Carrie talks about, I was angry with people. I'm sure they meant well. They questioned my faith and suggested I should pray harder for, meaning, uh, for healing. Most of all, I was angry with God, she was saying. Angry with God. Why, 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 why isn't he answering my prayers for healing? Did he not love me anymore? She was saying, did I have a huge sin in my life that I had not confessed? Not imp- am I not important anymore? Where's the goodness of God in all this stuff? And then similarly with Paul, I'm sure he must have been saying the same thing when he was asking God to take away the thorn in his flesh. Three times he pleaded, three times. But if you know Paul, you know when he wrote of all this, this, this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he wrote from a place, he was also tormented by the church that he was writing to. Because they were questioning him. They were questioning his apostleship. They were questioning his leadership. They were questioning uh, who he is as, as a person. They were questioning him. They were criticizing him. They were looking down on him. They were looking down on him because... Compared to the people, he called them very sarcastically. He called them the super apostles. He called them that because they, all the Corinthian church were enamored with these super apostles. They were, they were great-looking people. They were healthy. They were wealthy. They, were, they had great speaking skills and so on. And therefore, when they look at Paul, he's like small little guy, you know, maybe balding and... and uh, not too impressive looking, bad. Real, he says he's got bad speaking skills and compared to the super apostles. And, and he seems to be such a tiny guy and, uh, and, and he's got all these chronic problems compared to the, those super impressive looking, you know, uh, like Hollywood Rambo kind of guys. You know, 
how, how, how can he compare himself to those, those wealthy, healthy, super good-looking folks? Yeah. He'll be saying, I'm, I'm no candidate for GQ. And I'm, 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 no, I'm, I'm no candidate for that. I'm, I'm just Paul, tiny guy, not, not great at speaking. I had, you know, he would say, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm poor. I, I had to resort to, to uh, making tents for a living. And uh, going from place to place, I don't, basically a homeless guy. Because he had to go from place to place. So compared to the super impressive super apostles, Paul was looked down upon as an abject failure. He was an embarrassment. He was a really embarrassment. So to the Corinthian church, this Paul was a nobody. Was a nobody. He was, I mean, Paul wasn't looking like uh, Taylor Swift at all, that's for sure. Yeah. Paul was just a common street guy. And in that honor-shame culture of ancient Corinth, I think it really hurt Paul really badly. Paul was, after all, responsible for founding that And it hurt him very badly to think that his own team, his own people, the people that he loved, the people that he enjoyed fellowship with, the people supposed to be on his side, they all questioned him, criticized him, looked down on him. He felt betrayed. He felt betrayed. Instead of people loving him with Christ's love, he felt that he was stabbed in the back. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, they were asking, when, when they were questioning him, and they were, uh, the church was questioning him, and they were asking, hey, Paul, can you like, give us some letters of recommendation for your ministry, for your life, about who you are? Goodness, they were, he is the founder of the church, right? And they were asking for letters of recommendation for him. Then Paul writes, writes back to them and says, this is so crazy. Why are you asking letters of recommendation? You, you are my letter of recommendation. I'm the one that founded the church. You are here by the Spirit of God, and you found faith in Christ, and you are the church, and you are my letters of recommendation. Why are you asking for letters of I think it hurt him really, really badly to, to find these people who are supposed to be on your team, on your side, it's to, be, to be your team members, come around and say, we don't know who you are. You know, who are you, Paul? Compared to the super apostles, you're nothing. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 2, uh, he says this. He said, I wouldn't make you another sad visit. Or in the ESV, it's a, a painful visit because it was painful. It was painful for him to, to come to these folks who were so rejecting and so full of contempt for him, even though he was the founder of a church. And then it says this in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, I wrote to you in floods of tears. I wrote to you floods of tears out of great tr- trouble and anguish in my heart. Not so that I could make you sad, but so that you know just how much overflowing love I have towards you. How much overflowing love. So how is this all about the goodness of God? 
when he's experiencing all this biting, biting disapproval. And there was just a whole atmosphere of sadness that he has towards this church. Think now about Jesus. Think now about Jesus. Wasn't he hated? Wasn't he so hated that they executed him? Even from the crowds, the people who were supposed to love him, who were supposed to celebrate him as the Messiah, they said what? Crucify him. Crucify him. Even his disciples, Jesus' disciples, fled the scene when he was, Jesus was arrested. Jesus died on the cross in weakness, hated by all Hated by all who were in power. Hated by all who were supposed to love him. And Paul too was reeling from, from all, all of this, plus the thorn in his flesh, which he never said what it was really about. He was feeling weak. He was feeling unloved. He was feeling rejected. So think with me, isn't this story coming through in, in a lot of the... Bible. Stories of people who are weak. Stories of people who are reeling from their thorns in the flesh. Perhaps you have heard from the ancient scriptures, the first brothers, Cain and Abel. And in that Middle Eastern uh, Asian culture, it was expected that the, the elders would always get double honors. Right? It was the elder brother that would get all the good stuff and all the responsibility. And so here, we hear in the story of Cain and Abel, Cain was supposed to be the pride of the family, the, the one who gets everything, the successor who will carry the family's name. But was it not, we know, as we read the scriptures, was it not the younger Abel that, that God blessed, that God chose contrary to cultural expectations? And Cain felt he was entitled to everything. And I include God's favor. After all, he deserved it. He's the number one in the family. And pain came to his heart, knowing that he, he was not chosen. And pain resulted in canceling Abel. And ever since then, domination and power and violent power has become the way to get things done. To get the glory that one deserves. And the strong Cain lived on, but the weaker Abel died. Stabbed in the flesh, not just a thorn. How is this good? How is this the goodness of God? Then we hear stories of the mighty Nephilim, right? In Genesis chapter 6. I don't know who they are, but sounds like giants. Yeah? Nephilim came around, and, the, and their offspring is called, they're, they're the famous heroes of the past, the famous mighty men of old. Genesis 6 talks about their exploits. They were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were mighty, they were famous, they were heroes. And Genesis 6 also tells us of the story of the weak Noah, whose only expert, expertise is building an ark. Why did God, and how did God, and, and who did God choose 
in that story? Was it the ones who were mighty heroes? Or was it weak and ridiculous Noah? Decades of quiet, patient construction versus the heroic, heroic exploits of folks like, I can imagine them looking like Conan, Conan the Barbarian, you know, like just, just strong, mighty, you know, Rambo kind of, kind of guys. You know, no pain, no pain, right? Everything, everything they can conquer with their power. And that looks exciting. That looks exciting. They get better ratings in the movies, right? And if you, if you go with the story of Noah, everybody yawns. Yeah. But you go with the story of the famous mighty exploits of the mighty men, the heroes of the past, man, blockbuster summer movies. Weak Noah, not good. Was it not weak and spineless Abraham who had so little faith that he sold out his wife not once, but twice, to lie and lie to save his own skin. And God chose who? Weak, Abraham. How's that? When you think about what's been hit, written into history. Was it not Isaac rather than Ishmael, the firstborn? Was it not Jacob, not the elder? Was it not Joseph? not the elder brothers. Remember, it is all the ones who are elder that are supposed to get all the glory. But God chose the weak. Moses with a shepherd's staff versus the mighty armies of Pharaoh. Was it not weak and enslaved Israel that walked away rather than an impressive mighty army of Egypt? with the fast and furious chariots of weapons and weapons of destruction that they could come at Israel. Was it not young David over the impressive Saul and his elder, uh, elder brothers? Was it not David, weak little David versus the giant Goliath? And you fast forward in history, was it not a lowly little baby in a humble manger? And then death on the cross, weak and crucified. I trust we see the goodness of God in choosing the dangerous path of those who are weak, the undeserving, the humble, the low ones. Just as the cross in its original conception was invented to do what? To, to kill, to destroy, to wield power in its all its gory violence. It is now turned around by Jesus. It became his throne. It became the way that he became king. It became the way that the goodness of God is poured out to the weak and to the undeserving. That which was weak became strong in God's glorious grace. That which was deadly became life-giving. That which was hopeless became victory. Power, divine power is shown not in the violence of the mighty, strong, and powerful, 
but in that ugly, broken, weak cross of Jesus. The goodness of God is not always seen in the spectacular, nor does it feel like instantaneous victory, nor does it look like it's very pretty. It might look very ordinary. It might look very fearful. It might even be very stress-inducing. It feels slow. It looks like defeat. It looks unattractive. And like the ugly cross, it just feels like slow torture and pain and struggle. It does not look like the supermodels. It looks like Mother Teresa. That was the cross of Jesus. Imagine how the cross felt that first for the first followers of Jesus. It symbolized horrible power of Rome. It symbolized fear and death and shame. But for them, it became a symbol of faith, hope, and the glory, and the love, and the gracious kindness of God. It's a symbol of power now of a risen Jesus. That he rose from that death on the cross. And people today wear it, perhaps some unaware, that it's like wearing an electric chair or a hangman's noose. It's an instrument of awful torture death, but now transform. All its ugliness transform, become the beautiful expression of God's goodness, of God's power in weakness. That which was death turned by divine power into life. Time and time again, we see the goodness of God bursting through the weak and the humble. That is the story of the Bible. What humans tend to brag and hold dear, he brought low. Isn't this how the kingdom now intersects our lives? The goodness of God that Carrie spoke, uh, speaks of, the weakness that she experienced now has been transformed. It's God shining through grace upon grace. What is your thorn today, I'm asking? Perhaps you need to reflect on that. What is that which is in your flesh, the thorn in your flesh that is weak and ugly and it gives you fits, you know, it, tells you of how much struggle you have, the thing that brings you to your knees. You remember, Jesus himself was not spared. Nails tore at his flesh on the cross. He prayed also, like Paul did, he prayed that his cup of suffering would pass away, but it did not. Evil did its worse. It crushed him. He could have preached a sermon from the safety of heaven, but he came and he bled and he died, suffering pain, shame, become, so that he can become king. Not in violent power, but with love and in grace and in mercy towards all who would love him. 
I think we understand now a little bit more of the wonderful mercy that God has because He understands. He understands our pain. He understands our struggle. He understands our uh, the, the angst. He understands the, 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 the times that we question, oh my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understands. He knows that. What a God. I trust that today you will feel the call, the call of the cruciform life, of taking up the cross and to follow Jesus. Maybe we can't understand it all, that, that, that sense of powerlessness. You know, Carrie speaks, speaks of you know, being powerless as well. How is this good? How can, can't we just get the instant win right away? Can't we just get it? He could have healed Lazarus. You remember the Lazarus story? He could have healed Lazarus immediately. Instead, he chose to wait and he wept. And he wept. He could have avoided the cross. He could have done all these things. He could have just pressed reset and reformatted earth. But in the weakness of love, he came and he helped. And he walked and he loved his helpless creation so much and it would break for them and instead of wiping us all out he chose death on the cross powerlessness he chose powerlessness of love the weakness of love and it is that power that makes us perfect in his weakness so now he invites us all. He invites us all in our powerlessness, in our weaknesses, to see the cross once again and to be transformed, making perfection in weakness. Carrie, you, you, you asked for the thorn to be removed like Paul. But in the way, of, in the way and the tradition of Paul and Jesus, your Lord, you, you took your weakness to God and he changed it. He healed your heart and is still changing it. You know that you are fully seen by God and are loved by God, right? You know that you are fully, fully filled with the grace and the mercy of our wonderful God who loved us so much. Carrie, you saw God's goodness. You saw how his grace is enough for you through every challenge as you lifted your eyes and ask, where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You took the eyes of your heart off yourself and took the eyes of your heart back to God. And now you bear the dignity, the dignity and the beauty of God's transforming power. In your weakness, you saw powerful divine appointments powerful interventions, sacred interventions. You saw the light in the darkness. You saw the light that has led you to so many th wonderful things. What a calling that is. And a blessing. You saw the light of God's goodness, leading you to a union job that blessed you with extended health benefits that God knew you needed led you to Dr. Robinson, led you to have free injections so that you will have less frequent intense headaches 
you testified of, of Jesus giving you uh, the people that would help you, a medical team, and a counselor, you say, is a gift from God. You lifted your eyes to the Lord, and he helped you. Thank you, Kerry. We are blessed and we are encouraged. We are blessed because you know what Jesus knew. Let me quote from a, from a preacher. He says that Jesus was despised and rejected by men with no beauty or majesty that any should desire him, perceived as cursed by God and afflicted. When we experience suffering that remotely resembles these things, do we consider it unnatural for a minister of Christ? All the incredible privilege and costly dignity of following him. I encourage you, five stones, to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Build your dependence on him rather than on the rebellious independence that demands life turns out all roses right away. You can pour out your pain. Pour it out. Pour it out. You might even curse. You might even plead like Paul did. You might even question. And it's all okay. Jesus, our God, is big enough to take that all in. His grace is enough, sufficient for us. He will not abandon us even though the thorn is still there stabbing away. Stabbing away. For one day, it will all be swallowed up in victory. So we will see the goodness of God. We will see the goodness of God because we know of the cruciform life of Jesus. It looks bad now, but hang in there. We are being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So let us lay every weight and every sin that clings to us. Let us run the race with perseverance that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus, who is the founder, the perfecter, and author of our faith. Faith can be confusing sometimes. Faith can be heart-wrenching. But we can know that there is a God who knows all that pain, all that weakness. And then we can boast in the weakness that Paul talks about. Boast in the weakness because it is through that weakness that we are strong and that we exalt Jesus in that weakness. Father, may we see your goodness. May we see how you loved us so much. May we see how you're moving in our hearts, even when we are struggling, even when we are in deep, deep trouble. There is grace enough. We know there will be grace enough to endure. And God, we thank you again for this testimony. Thank you that uh, this testimony is leading us to a place where we can be more settled in our faith, knowing that you walk with us in our struggles. You, you walk with us in, we, we can see your goodness if we would look for it. We can see it as we turn our eyes away from ourselves and just look at you and just look at the cross and look at, look at how, 
how you loved us and, and that you are merciful, that you are kind. And then we can look away from our demandingness that demands life must always turn out great and be always roses all the time. Help us to have a faith that is humble, perhaps confused. Help us have a faith that will boast in our weaknesses. Sometimes we, we look at the world and we say, hey, it wouldn't be great if everybody's life turned out to be just like Taylor Swift's, right? Wouldn't it be great. Everybody adoring, everybody loving her, buying tickets for, just to see her. So Jesus, we ask that you would help us to see, even in our struggles, in our weaknesses, that we can be strong in you. Help us to see the great cloud of witness that is before us. To lay aside every weight and every sin and lay it at the cross and help us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. That's the goodness of God, and thank you, Carrie, for sharing you know, the life story and uh, yeah, what you have gone through to really il illustrate the goodness of God. And when we release the things that hold us back, things that we hang on tight to, and like Carrie and sharing about giving up her, her career, uh, giving up her, her job to deal with some other uh, the physical illness, but when she released that to God and, and she really get to see the goodness of God. And, and this is such a great reminder for us to know and as Sharon in, in the verse that uh, Carrie quoted in Second Corinthians that, you know, as Paul wrote in, in uh, my weakness, you see, I'm made strong. And just releasing those things that we hang on to. And then, then we can see the goodness of God coming after us. Father, we just, we just praise you for what you have done. And you came as a son of man and you suffered the pain that, that you died on the cross for us, Lord. You know what it means to suffer an illness. You know what it means and you felt the pain of suffering. Much like as Paul also have his form as well, Lord. We are weak and Father, as we see and realize uh, in our weakness, Lord, that we need you and we see your grace that pour upon us, Lord, and your grace, your mercy that chase after us, Lord. So as soon as we can put down our own self and help us to release those things that we hang on to so tight in our lives, Lord, and give them upon to you, Lord, and then we can taste your goodness in our lives, Lord as you bring restoration, you bring healing, and you remind us also that there is much more to come beyond this life that we have here today, Lord. So Father, we thank you for who you are. We ask the Lord, Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. Your shalom, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you're dismissed. Have a great week. Yes.